Hello everyone, this is the Pick and Mix Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Pick and Mix Podcast. Uh, this week we're doing Rogue One and we're actually joined by both of the co-hosts today. So we've got Ben with us. Hi, yeah. And we've also got Liam with us as well. Just couldn't get rid of me, could you? No, no. Unfortunately, we're now stuck with you. <laughs> um, so this this was a, this a good one. I mean, I know Liam isn't a massive massive Star Wars fan, but I know you like Rogue One quite a bit. So thought it was a good we thought it was a good opportunity to get everyone on together for the first time uh, and see how this all plays out together. Because realistically, if it doesn't work, we'll just end the podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> it's over it's already over it's done no i would consider yeah, i would consider myself a star wars layman I, i've seen them all at least once uh, i think i've never seen solo there's a few yeah there's, there's a few like, little gaps in my knowledge and um, you're not missing them I've, I've heard <laughs> yeah i've heard it's uh, a bit underwhelming but no I'm, I've, I've only ever seen any star wars film just the ones I'm, I'm not kind of an avid fan but i do like them and, and i think rogue one yeah probably is my favorite so i'm quite excited to talk about this one awesome uh, i mean it is quite good that you mentioned solo because me and ben had a discussion um about whether we were going to do it or not um i think at the end of this episode we can give just our brief thoughts on it we're not going to be re-watching it and we're not going to be doing it purely because we do want to kind of move on to other films and we want to get on with the original trilogy and we are going to be doing the new trilogy as well and we just thought solo is going to take up a bit of time and it's not one that we're particularly keen on doing so we're going to leave that one um Solo, no go. But we will give up. I think I think me and Ben could probably remember enough about the film to give some brief thoughts at the end anyway. Um, yeah. So, Darth Maul, that's the only good thing. Um, <laughs> Wait, Darth Maul's in Solo? Uh, like, he, like a brief He's cameo. For about two seconds at the end. We'll tell you what, we'd, we'll, just, we'll just quickly mention about Solo now, even though it's, it's af- obviously takes place after this film. Um, but it no, introduces... Does it? I thought it was after. No, nah, because Rogue One leads directly in A New Hope, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So, I mean, that's how much I care about the film. They're <laughs> <laughs> looking really confused. Like, yeah, yeah, sure it does. Yeah, yeah it's, it. it's just not great. I mean, there's good bits of it, but it's just all very, very cheesy, I feel. And the stuff they introduce in it is to kind of, like, explain pop points like Chewbacca and... Han meeting, how Han got the ship and stuff like that. It's just, I just don't think it's particularly done very well. I think it's but. a shame because uh, I remember like looking at the trailers and thinking the cast looked amazing. Obviously, you got uh, Donald Glover. Um, he was good in it. I liked him. Yeah, he was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch anything, you want, anything he's in, so I, I kind of was interested. But I, yeah, I, I heard the same kind of things you guys are saying. It's just kind mm. of meh, meh. Meh, yeah, meh, I meh. Was, I don't think it was bad. Like, I don't think it was a bad film. Like, if, if someone suggested to me, oh, there's no else on, do you want to watch? solo i probably yeah stick it on in the background but like i wouldn't be itching to watch it like i was with this film yeah it's it's not something i'm that bothered about either if i'm quite honest um but yeah so that's we're not doing it we may do it in the future but not right now (laughs) sorry solo bye solo um yeah so kind of getting on to rogue one um it opens, and I've got a note straight away with the way it opens. There's no credits. There's no crawl. Yeah. Um, how do how do you feel about this in terms of like the rest of the Star Wars films? Obviously, in the in the Skywalker saga, do have them, uh, but this one obviously doesn't. Well, I think it's good because it it obviously it's a it's a story and it's separate from the the rest of the saga. So I think not having a title crawl was quite was quite good to immediately set it apart from the other films. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it gives it a just, bit of individuality, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 To separate yeah. itself straight away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I agree somewhat. I know there's a big kind of, from Star Wars fan base, there was a big kind of controversy over the fact that it wasn't involved. Um, one thing that jarred me straight from the start as well is like the music. Um, I can't remember who it was who does the music, but it's it's obviously not John Williams. And from who from what I remember, I will search it while one of you is talking in a bit, who does the music. But um, from what I remember, they had a really short amount of time to actually get the score and everything done because they were kind yeah. of like a last-minute addition. So I feel that like all the way through the film, the music's the music's not bad, but 
it just doesn't feel very Star Wars to me at times, and it takes me out of it a bit. There are a few things that I feel like are a little bit last minute decision y about this film. Like I really, really enjoy it. And don't don't get me wrong, I think the, the overall product works, but there was quite a few reshoots, if I'm not mistaken, uh going yeah. into this film there. And there was a quite a bit of um a kind of on, on on set problems going in and 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 you can kind of you can kind of see, and I think you're right with the music being one of them, it almost feels like a little bit of an afterthought. Yeah, it was uh, it was Giacchino. Um, oh, the, the the poor man's John Williams. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy who does the new Star Trek score, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I think he so, did yeah. Lost as well. Like, I remember being a massive Lost fanboy, and I think he did all the music for Lost as well. He's he's done quite a few things. He, he is actually really good. I'm being a bit uh, a bit awful. He also does the score for um, Doctor Strange, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's kind of I say poor man's uh, Williams, but he's he's more like the guy taking over from Williams and a lot of kind of big. I think he did. Uh, I think he's done some Nolan films as well, if I'm not wrong. Ah, mm. yeah, he's, he's got a good. Uh, he's got a good. Uh, good. Uh, good ear to him. Yeah, like I said, I don't think the music's bad. It just doesn't feel very Star Wars for me. Um, <laughs> so we, as 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 we open up with the plot, we've got Galen Erso, Mad Mickelson's character, his wife and a child on a, a random planet, um, and they're farmers. And we've got Ben Mendelsohn, who are absolutely loving this film. Uh, it's who's come in to the planet to recruit, well, not recruit, basically take into cap- captivity um, the the Urso family. So Galen yeah. can work on the Death Star and kind of, because he's like one of the main engineers and people behind the Death Star um, in terms of actually getting it made. Um, when he arrives, it's, it's one of my, my favourite lines from Ben Mendelsohn's where Galen tells him that, his wife's dead and then she appears from like the home and he's like, Oh, she's risen from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the mum then gets killed and Janessa goes and hides. And then we have like a little bit of a shift later. Do you guys have any notes on the first few bit, first few scenes? Yeah, I was really, really Um, excited. Sorry, you go Ben. No, no, sorry. I I really loved um, Krennic's ship. I think his mm. his big black shuttle is really big black shuttle. I like that as well. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> you would. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, do you have anything to add on that, Liam? Well, no, I think he's. I think Ben, you spot on with the the kind of you notice straight away how gorgeous this movie is. The the yeah. the sweeping landscapes. Uh, the you're right. The, the shuttle entering. It's it's just beautiful. I love how far away he parks his shuttle though. Like he has to walk so far. Like come on, dude, just move it a bit closer. Yeah. Man. Come on. Um, I think straight away, I, like I'm a massive. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a massive uh, Hannibal fan. So seeing Mads Mikkelsen again in a film was uh, was quite exciting. But I think he's underused. I think he's underused in a lot of films. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't got a mass. He's got obviously a big role to play, but his actual screen time is quite small. Yeah, um, he's more of a presence than he is in a really fully fully fledged out character. But he, he he's he's just such such a good presence, Mads Mikkelsen. He's he's fantastic. I I love him. I love him, especially in like in Doctor Strange. Obviously, he's the mm. baddie in that. Um, I I almost wish that they didn't use him for Doctor Strange because I think he would be a really good Doom. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, Do- he's Doctor Doom would be perfect. He's such a good actor who's underused in most films that he's in. Like, uh, mm. if you guys haven't seen Hannibal, get on watching Hannibal. He's so, I've seen so, the first season. so fucking good. I've seen, isn't it? I've seen the first season. Yeah. 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 He's just, he's always underused in everything he's in, I think. But that's just, I want him in the entire film the, the whole time. Oh, oh, he's in um, Casino Royale, isn't he? He's yeah, he's Chief. brilliant. He's Le, Chief, Le Chiffre. Whatever. He cries yeah. blood after he masturbates. Um, yeah, <laughs> he cries so... blood out of his dick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the next few scenes are kind of like quick quick things going on we get Jim gets picked up by Saul Guerrero um who's a character if you don't know from uh the Clone Wars and he does appear in Rebels later on as well um, yeah so he is an existing character which I think this film does a lot of it, it nods to a lot of the other canon which I yeah. really like um and you know it makes what you know Disney have done with expanding uh, the Star Wars universe worth it really for those who actually kind of keep up with that stuff um, we don't find out that Jin's. We have a few different kind of transition scenes where Jin's in prison as an adult. We see Diego Luna, who is Cassian Andor for the first time, and he's on this random planet, um, and he's getting information about a pilot who's defected, who has information on uh, a weapon of some sort or a message from uh, Galen Erso. Uh, one thing I've put there is that 
I mean, I know this from what I've what I've read. I think Cassian's like a former separatist. So it's quite interesting that he's now on the side of the rebels or his family were separatists. Um, so it's good that he's like now on the side of the Alliance. But you see a really dark side to the Alliance as well. You see like the gritty stuff mm. that would happen in real world yeah. war where he kills the cripple <laughs> um, straight off the bat, which is who gives them the information. He's like, I can't climb out of here in my arm. And he's like, oh, well, dead. Um, I... The Alliance do condone killing cripples for anyone who wants to know. Uh, Liam? <laughs> no, I, was just, I think I was just going to uh, kind of uh, jump on a point that you made there about it being gritty. I think the, the reason I like this film so much more is because it's so, I think there is a lot of lot more real, realism to it. I think the reason I'm a little bit kind of out of the franchise is because, I, I prefer that uh, that element of gritty, that element of realism. It's 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 a lot darker than I think a lot of the other Star Wars films. It's a lot more messed up, and I think you're right. Um, everything feels kind of ugly and, and and grimy and gross and lived in, and I, I think straight away I really appreciate that as a person who's not a massive fanboy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of death in this film. Yeah, yeah, it hits a bit harder. It hits a bit more like like again, like a bit more realistic. It, it feels like a real um, kind of like a like almost like a war movie, like um, kind of like a World War Two movie or something to me. Yeah, Ben. I feel, I feel like in this in this film the stakes are really high. Like even though if you if you know what happens next, yeah. Even though you know you know the Death Star eventually gets blown up and the good guys win, Spoiled. it still feels like a really high stakes film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if if no one knows what happens in the next film, then they need a bloody. <laughs> I was going to say, where, which which rock have you been living under? Um, yeah. My mum's just sat in the bath now going, oh my God, they all die. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, spoiler alert, Ingrid, just uh, listen, uh, yeah, don't listen for the next five minutes or so. Yeah, uh, but you but... are right, like, like, almost like the curse of the prequel, uh, any prequel film is, you, you kind of, you, you already know what's going to happen, so there's a lot less, usually a lot less stakes, but I think with this, the, you're right, the, the stakes are almost raised, you, you kind of, because we're following characters we kind of really, really enjoy following, I think you're right that the stakes are kind of a bit, a bit higher than normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing that I've noted as well is like you know that the characters are all indispensable, like you know, you know, they're dispensable yeah. because of the fact that you, you know, you know what happens in the future. But then again, they could survive. Um, mm. but got, you, when you when you watch it for the first time, you don't quite know. Um, yeah. But I love that the film isn't as scared to take risks. Like it does kill off big players like quite early on. Um, yeah, and all all the way throughout the film. Uh, so when we get a first bit of uh, seeing about Jeddah, the Jedi planet, I think is mm. is it is where, from what I remember, it, it's where the Jedi originate from, isn't it? Or what? It's one of the early Jedi planets, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like uh, like the Jedi, like the Holy Jedi, like planet. Yeah, because you see all those. I think, which is really cool when we go to Jedi, you see the collapsed statues. Yeah. Of Jedi, which is really cool. Um, to show that the Empire just did not piss about with get just scrubbing the, the Jedi from the, uh, the face of the galaxy. Yeah, it's one thing that I've noted later, actually. Um, but on that scene, we do see Bodhi, who is the pilot, who is the informant, the turncoat from the... The Empire being taken to see Saw. Um, we then go to a planet called Wabani or, some, or something like that. And we've got Jinna, who's on a labor camp, uh, and she gets recovered or rescued in um, quotation marks as K2SO floors her and then says, You are being rescued. Don't resist. <laughs> so good. Like, this is the best part of the film. I could watch K2SO just, just for 90 minutes. You could get rid of every other character. And especially, like, I don't know how much you guys are. Uh, obviously, the, the guy voicing Malin Tudyk, I don't know if you guys have seen Firefly, but this was a massive fanboy moment for me because that was a big kind of part of my childhood growing up watching Firefly. And to see uh, Alan Tudyk do K2SO was so much fun. And he's the best. He's the best part of this film. Easy. I, I like Alan Tudyk. He's in a Knight's Tale, isn't he? Yeah, he's in he's in quite a few things. He's uh, it was usually like bit, like side roles, bit roles. Oh, he's uh, Steve the pirate, Steve the pirate in Dodgeball. He is. He's in Dodgeball. <laughs> Steve the pirate. Yeah. Um, Firefly. In, um, Tucker and Dale yeah. versus Evil as well. Oh, Tucker and Dale. Yeah, great mm -hmm. film. Great film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll put a note down is that what do you think the attitude towards on violence towards women is in in the Star Wars universe? Because we see quite a bit of it, and no one really seems to batter an eyelid. So, um. 
think uh, it's just general violence. Yeah, they're, I wouldn't they're, say they're, it's directed towards women. No, no, no. I'm not saying. That. I'm just saying it's quite interesting how, like, <laughs> you know, if someone smashed a woman on the floor here, they'd be like, "All right, mate, easy going." But here, they're just like, "No, that's fine." <laughs> it's almost like it shows that the I think that the Star Wars universe almost has like kind of um, breaking down barriers of like gender equality and and, and sexuality equality and all that, all that stuff. I think it's just no one really thinks about it, kind of in a way. Like it's just you're not. It's not man and woman, you're just a person, and I'm going to beat you down. Yeah, I suppose that goes with um, having a whole host of different kind of like species and gender yeah. around. Um, we then get a scene of the Rebel HQ. One thing I've noted is that you, we get a lot of two things. We get a lot of Game of Thrones actors in this film, mm. and we also get, I think the cast is brilliant. Um, it's my favorite cast of any Star Wars film. I, put, I wrote that down. I was like, re watching it, it's just so so well put together i think there's just so many good actors in this film there's so many yeah. different kind of different varied actors as well like uh you've got uh kind of like a few like uh, almost like kung fu legends like donnie yen like donnie, yen's, my, yeah. donnie yen's so good like he's so so he's good my favorite character in there yeah he's mm. my he's my close second after kato as well but yeah definitely he's fantastic mm. i mean one thing i've put as well just regarding the cast is that they they cast people perfectly to play people who we already know yeah. So obviously we get a recurring character like Jimmy Smith, we get R2D2 and 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 that coming back for for like brief scenes. But the ones who they get to play Mon Mothma and you know other other recurring characters and Tarkin. Mm. We'll get onto the Tarkin bit in in a, in a little while, but yeah, I think one. I think they cast people really well and it doesn't mm. it doesn't, you know, seem obvious that they recast them, you know what I mean? Even though yeah. it was the mm. but, those characters were filmed like years and years and years and years ago. Like the people who've got into play them like fit fit perfectly. It's, it's um, seamless. It's not it's not jarring at all. You you think you could run into the problem with it being quite uh, quite like, disconcerting, but no, yeah, you're right. It, it is almost seamless. Yeah. So, Jin and uh, Cassian, um, along with K two or so, had uh, sent on a mission to head to Jeddah to collect the pilot from Saw Gerrera. And the reason why they've got Jin is because she was obviously. So to some extent brought up by Saw um, and the leave and K2SO finally introduces himself officially um, and I've put that the SN K2SO is for sassy he's like uh, C3PO's more aggressive brother like, yeah. <laughs> C3PO with an attitude problem mm. um, we we get a scene where Cassian's told that when they go to like get Galen it isn't a rescue mission it's an assassination mission essentially mm. and that they're you know when they find Galen he is to kill him um, yeah. One thing I've put at first is it Felicity Jones who plays yeah, yeah. Jin? Yeah. Now I like her as an actress, but in the early parts of this film, rewatching it, I was a bit like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not too sure I like her performance." But she does grow into it quite a lot. Um, I very think serious. The- she's very, um, yeah, she's very grounded. She's not really expressing a lot, and you mm. can kind of understand given what she's been through and given her like upbringing that that's kind of. I think she plays the character as the character would be. If, if in, in universe, I think she does a really good job. But you're right, and she definitely does grow. She's a great actress. She is. I put um, when I, I used the K2SO quote for a start for how she starts in the film. I put vague and convincing. <laughs> <laughs> definitely vague. Um, yeah, yeah. But then I think she does. She does really grow into it. Um, so then we get like a scene with Saul Guerrero where he meets. Uh, is it Bo? It's Bodie, isn't it? Is it Bodie? Uh, yeah. The pilot, yeah, and he just he's like an asthmatic, paranoia, um, general uh, who's a bit almost like a terrorist within the alliance, but he's not part of the alliance. Yeah, Ben. He he reminded me of those doomsday preppers that you see on <laughs> weird, you know, like like a, like a weird Channel Five documentary where mm. they're just like they're underground and they very rarely come up to the surface. He reminded me of one of those. People who's just gone a bit, a bit mental. Yeah, yeah. storing their pee in jars and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the scene just kind of cuts away after he just goes "pukolid," um, which I wish we never found out about later on in the film. Um, so one one of the main bits of the film that I have an issue with later on. Um, one thing I put as well is you get a scene with this death, the star destroying the Death Star, and it's, it's I think Liam mentioned it earlier, like the whole like the visuals of this movie. Like uh, absolutely stunning. 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, amazing. It's filmed like so brilliantly, and we we 
on that scene, we get Krennic meeting with Tarkin, who's like uncanny, uncanny valley scene. Um, so obviously the person who originally played Tarkin's dead, but rather than recast them fully, what they did is, is use some form of like motion capture, like computerization on his face on another actor. The guy who plays and voices them really well. Yeah. And I don't think the visual effects on that are actually that bad. No, I don't I, either. I think there's times with the eyes that you can you can tell and when he's moving, but when he's just stood there talking, I I, I honestly think if you if you didn't know that it was you know, to look for it, I don't think you would realize that it was computerized. Like, I'm gonna like almost I don't disagree. I, I I mostly agree with both of you on that. I think it is really good and I think it's top notch CGI. I think they linger on it far too much. I think because I'm aware of it. I start to that that uncanny valley sets in for me. I'm watching it, and if it was kind of a shorter scenes and it was a bit, bit bit more controlled, I think I would have been absolutely fine. But they, they they do spend quite a lot of time with them, and I think that for me takes me out a little bit. Um, I, I think they did the best with the situation they had. Obviously, they had to do something. And I think uh, this is probably the best they could have done. Um, but I'm not 100 convinced on it. I think it was still in that early. I don't want to say early stage because it was obviously we'd had quite a few um, movies that had done kind of CGI faces before that point. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was quite perfected just yet. See, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I don't mind it, but I think it is one of those things where when you know, it, it does yeah. become obvious at some points. Yeah. But then compared to the one that we get at the end of the film, it's really, really not that bad. And I don't... Well, just... Yeah, it's much better than that. <laughs> so yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. Um, so then the the Rebel team uh, of Jin and... Um, Cassian arrive on Jeddah. Um, there's a there's a star destroyer over the city, which I think is, and is another beautiful shot. Um, yeah. And it's extracting kyber crystals, which are the things that are used in the Jedi's lightsabers, and also they're the source of the power for the Death Star, and it's and it and it's a Death Ray. We then with uh, yeah, Liam. No, I was just going to say, like as a as a Star Wars layman, I want I want to ask you something about the kyber crystals because this is all like yeah. brand new to me. Um, so like, are these mentioned ever before? Is this is this is this something that that you- is kind of Star Wars lore, or is this? It's, it's definitely in canon. Um, yeah, I mean, in 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 a lot of the games, you get you have to collect Kyber crystals to change the color of your lightsaber, right? Okay, and, and whatnot. And there's a mission in the Jedi Fallen Order game where you have to go and collect a new Kyber crystal um, for a light for a new lightsaber, a new part of the lightsaber. But as far as I'm aware, I don't think they're mentioned in the prequel trilogy. Uh, yeah. But- Ben? Yeah, they're they're, um, they're not mentioned in the prequels, but funny enough, there is actually a deleted scene, I believe, from Return of the Jedi where Luke's actually building his green lightsaber. There is, yeah. And you see him put the crystal inside of it, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm a little bit annoyed they deleted because it would have actually helped understand how the lightsabers work. Yeah, it would have flowed really well into this film, I think, yeah. But... um, in the Clone Wars um, animated series, there is a couple of episodes that follows some um, young Jedi actually going to get their crystals um, from this like ice fortress thing. Hmm. Um, So they are mentioned before, but they're not mentioned in any of the films. Yeah. I was going to say they were brand new to me when I heard when I saw it. I was like, okay, I'm going along with it. It's fine. Did you did you feel lost with it though? I feel they explained what did, they do. Yeah, I didn't feel lost. I just uh, I just never heard of them yet. But uh, yeah, no, they they explained it pretty well. It wasn't it wasn't kind of too jarring for me to keep following along with it. Yeah, it's good. So the next the next scene we get is the scene I just mentioned before, which I wish we never got is the poor coloured scene or ball coloured. I don't know what. It's like a weird octopus technically thing that apparently can make you tell the truth or yeah. can extract the truth for you. It it's weird and I don't like it. And I just put down. What happened to good old fashioned torture? <laughs> it feels really out of place. I think it feels like it comes out of nowhere, and it just it is it kind of awkward rather than entertaining. Um, and I feel like they could be spending a lot more time doing something else, like developing characters a little bit better. And yeah, you're right. It's it's just really doesn't belong in this film. I don't think at all. In a, in a I f- have quite a, a horrible thought about this scene because he says it uh, it can make someone lose their mind after they've had this interaction with with Borgullet. And I was thinking, 
well, you seem to be pretty out of it, mate. So how much time have you been spending? With I've literally put down, I've literally put down. A note. <laughs> I reckon they've all had to go on board coloured. Yeah. Very much like thing in Adam's family. We're not, we're not, we're, we're leaving that in the past, Harry. That's not, you're not bringing that back up. <laughs> Everyone's had a go on everyone. Paul Gullard's got the, like eight tentacles. Imagine. Well, that's it. Like, yeah, it's like, like Star Wars hentai. Hentai, uh, hentai porn, yeah. <laughs> big, in, big in Japan. Uh... No wonder Jim perks up after this bit. <laughs> One girl, eight tentacles. Um, yeah, so we then <laughs> get into Je- Jeddah City, which is like almost, it's it's under obviously the control of the Empire and it's very, you know, I, I, I don't know, it's very, again, it's just kind of like the rest of the film. It's very gritty. Um, you can tell there's been war there. We get yeah. to, Jin bumps into one of the two guys from the cantina scene in A New Hope. You know, the guy who Obi-Wan yeah. chops his arm off. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I wonder what he bumps into is him. Right. Okay, that's kind of cool. Well, there's, there's, I think there is quite a few throwbacks, isn't there, in this uh, to the? They obviously uh, got out right on time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's one point I made later because at, at one point the the city the, the empire basically evacuate their people from the city. If I was you know, there, and I was looking, I'd be like, right, something's clearly about to happen if they're evacuating all their people from the city. I'd be wanting to get out as quick as possible because it's clearly something's going to happen. I wouldn't know what, but I'd be like, we probably need to get away from here. Yeah. yeah. Um, something's rotten in Denmark, get out, yeah. <laughs> we uh, we get, we then meet Chirrut, um and it's Baze, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the two uh, protectors of the temple or former protectors of the temple. Donnie Yen in this film is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I have massive respect for him purely because... Donnie like, amazing in he's, yeah. he's acting. He's acting as a blind man. And I, I always think as someone who isn't an actor, that must be so hard to do throughout the whole film. Like, pretending that you can't see and remaining in that character. Because I, you'd ha- you, I, I don't know, like, when someone's talking, I have a natural inclination to look at them. Oh, yeah. He's, like, he's in their eyes, but he he plays it so well. He's always been a fantastic actor. Like he's, I have quite a, quite a massive love for a lot of like old Wuxia films and the the kung fu kind of films, and he does such a good job. But in every every role he's in, and he, I think his action scenes are probably my favorite as well. I think every action scene he's in, he you can see that he they give him a lot of free reign to kind of do his own thing and and do a lot of his own martial arts and, and like they utilize him really well, which is. Not what I, I mean, I can, can't really say for every actor in this, but they definitely utilize Donnie Yen fantastically. Mm. You got anything to add on that, Ben? Um, no, I just think he he's my favorite character in this in this film. Um, and obviously, we get that bit where um, Cassian says, is, "Is he a, is he a Jedi?" And I think yeah. he's, he's obviously not a Jedi, but he's obviously got some sort of connection with the force not mm. as strong as a jedi but some sort of connection yeah i mean that that's one thing i was wondering you know the, the protectors of the temple i thought they would be jedi uh, yeah. yeah and i thought that was a, that was a bit weird i mean it's just because you two have both said your favorite character mine's paul colored um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we all know why yeah. i want to go uh liam he, what, what he, were you going to well, no, I think I think especially with him not being a Jedi, I think what they try and do is uh, I think Gareth Edwards, the director, has a lot of love for um, kind of kung fu cinema, and I think what they're trying to do is obviously he still has that connection to the Force even without being a Jedi. The same way um, like a lot of a lot of kung fu films have that connection with like chi and stuff like that. I think they're trying to make a lot of connections kind of to kung fu cinema, especially with him being blind as well. There's quite a lot of um, there's a couple, there's a few series of of, of of kung fu films with like. Um, blind martial artists, things like one arm boxer, things like that. I think you can tell in this scene like Gareth Edwards has a lot of love for kung fu cinema. I think he's probably getting Donnie Yen was a big get for him, and he, he definitely uses him so well. I don't really feel I've watched any kung fu cinema, if I'm honest. Uh, we'll have a kung fu marathon one one month. We'll do like uh, we'll do like I don't know, like Chinese New Year or something. We'll do like all kung fu films. I've um, <laughs> I've uh, um. I've seen Rush Hour, if that counts. <laughs> okay, bye. I'm leaving now. Bye. <laughs> I'm disconnecting the chat again. Oh, I'm very sorry. Um, 
All right, yes, yeah, so the next bit um, is the rebels ambushing the Empire in Jeddah. It's slightly before they do obviously evacuate. Um, we've got a really nice scene where like the baby's crying in the middle of the battle. Uh, and I thought yeah. it's very much kind of like, you know, that photo from the Vietnam War with um, yeah. the girl after the napalm strike. That's very much what I kind of envisage from it. Um, she also, Jin also shoots a stormtrooper in a dick, which I thought was quite funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, want to comment, I want to comment on the, the Vietnam thing you said because I had that note written down as well. Like I think the battle scenes in this are a lot more kind of gritty and realistic than than some of the other ones as well. And you can kind of feel that uh, the horrors of war. I don't think Gareth Edwards is trying to like sugarcoat it and make it really glossy and really like exciting action scenes. I mm. think they are brutal. And I think you're right with that. That I, I wrote down like either that or the beaches of Normandy. Everything's very much like what you would expect in a battle scene. It's 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 kind of one of the reasons this is one of my favorite Star Wars films is because of that because everything seems a lot dirtier and a lot grittier. Mm, yeah, I mean, there's one thing that throughout this battle scene annoys me. It's a bit like Jin seems a bit too vulnerable when she's running around. Um, like there's multiple times where she would have got shot, like where she grabs that stick and starts hitting the stormtroopers. Like they've all mm. got guns. Why don't they just shoot her? Because they're stormtroopers. One, because it's stormtroopers, and also at this point she does have plot armor as well. Plot armor, yeah. Yeah, she has plot armor for the next hour or so. (laughs) Stormtroopers are only ever good at shooting themselves. There's like that one scene where she, I think they use one of the stormtroopers as like a shield, and stormtroopers' aim is fine then, absolutely fine. They've managed to shoot the stormtrooper like dead on, but for heroes Mm -hmm. and and, and characters, nah, not a chance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so then we got. the scene where like the base K2 turns up and he's ignored what they've told him and to like not come here. And he then pretends that he's taken them as prisoners. We get then this, the scene with Donnie Yen where he starts fucking shit up. And so again, it's one of those ones where it's like, he probably would have been shot, but then I'm like, yeah, he has he obviously is one with the force. The force is with me. Um, <laughs> so he, he, he fucks shit up and then blaze like nearly shoots him when he uh, mangles the rest of the, the stormtroopers. And it was one of my favorite lines um, before they are about to get taken away by the, the rebels who turn up, uh, like Saul Guerrero's rebels. They put a black bag over Donnie Yen's head and he's like, are you serious? I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ben? I just I think um, uh, Baze's gun is probably my favorite like gun that I've seen in the Star Wars franchise. Mm. Like the fact it's like a heavy artillery machine gun that's powered with a, a backpack. I just think it's, I just thought it was re- a really cool concept because we, we've seen like the, like the, the heavy blasters that are like mounted on like stands and we've seen like yeah. the blasters people hold, but we've never seen anything like a heavy, heavy like gunner sort of mm. weapon. Just thought, which uh, I just thought... thought of protein, proton packs from Ghostbusters. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I like his gun as well. I also like the one that uh, Chirrut uses mm. later yeah. on. Yeah, little ball um, gun. Yeah, the, the yeah, it's almost right. like like Chewbacca's bowcaster, but a bit smaller. Yeah, um, I like it. One thing that they said at this point is that the Jedi are, are pretty much like forgotten. And I know Ben, you'd mentioned that the Empire have done a pretty good job of like wiping out the memory of the Jedi. But I was just thinking, how is that? entirely possible when the Jedi had such an influence that they did at this at this time it's quite it's still quite soon after the events yeah, of it's not that far after is it because Luke because no. obviously at this point Luke's literally just about to meet Obi-Wan Kenobi mm. so he's only about he's only going to be what it's like early 20s if that yeah like, so if there's only been about what six, I'd say like what like 18 years minimum 20 years maximum yeah and I just, I just think in like the technology that they have, and obviously the influence that the Jedi had in general, in terms of them being involved in the, the biggest war, one of the biggest wars that the galaxy has known, and mm. or in the universe has known maybe, and they're becoming a myth or a memory. I, I just, for me, it doesn't quite, it doesn't fly quite right, especially when mm-hmm. the reason why the Empire is in power. He announces to the Senate that he was attacked by the Jedi, they tried to overthrow him. So that would be a massive part of the history. Yeah. In terms of trying to, like, I understand making like making them out to be the, the big bad guys of the universe, but to then wipe the memory of them, it just seems a bit, a bit silly for me. I, I think it would be more appropriate that, oh, we haven't heard of them in a long time. Very much like Luke does in the, in like a new hope where he's like, 
or you you know where he, he does know about Jedi's. Yeah. You know, rather than them becoming a myth, because I think it's too it's too short a time period for them yeah, for them definitely. to become a myth at that point. Um. So then we've got the Jin Cassian and K two were taken to see Saw Gerrera. Um, at that point, that is when the Star Destroyers and the rest of the the forces are leaving um, the planet. So when we see like Jin meet and Saw, I think this is the bit for me where her performance really turns, yeah, into in something strong. Like where she sees a message from her dad. Like at that point, now I was like, right, okay, you've got me convinced now that because I think it's, it wasn't that she was acting poorly before. It just I didn't, I wasn't that engaged with her. But then at yeah. that point, I was like, "Wow, that like that, that scene is really powerful." Yeah, like, yeah. I think she's one of my, oh, one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, I think she's finally like lets her guard down a little bit. I think before that, she's quite reserved. She's quite guarded, and then and this this allows her to to kind of show a bit more range. I think, and, and she's she she does a fantastic job. Yeah, she she becomes a bit more human. I think at that point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've got also. Um, I've also put in terms of you know, Saw Guerrero's like breathing apparatus. Mm. Very Vader-like, isn't it? Even the way... I think they've done that on purpose, haven't they? Like, just... Uh, I don't know if it's a bit of foreshadowing in terms of, like, that Vader's obviously going to be in it later on. But it, it it's yeah. very, very, like... And... Um, what, do you, what do you guys think of his voice? Like, because his voice was a little bit off-putting to me. Like, I was a bit distracted when he was talking. Forrest... It's Forrest Whitaker, isn't it? Yeah, and I love Forrest Whitaker. I do. I feel like he was putting... He's definitely putting on a voice for this role, right? This is not his real voice. No, it's definitely a voice. Um, it's, no one wants to know about the character. Mm. No one wants to know about the character. I think he's he's playing it quite well. Yeah. Um, he's meant to be a bit mental, isn't he? Yeah. But, yeah, it does seem... The voice where he's like... Especially, you know, the bit where he does die and he's like, run for your lives! It's just like... Yeah. It, it, it's all... It, I don't know. In what is a very serious kind of war-like movie, it feels very Star Wars. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Bit cartoony, but like, yeah, a bit, bit distracting, I think. But I know, it, it, I think, I see, I don't know the character. I know obviously he was appeared in the Clone Wars, was it? I think, yeah, with that. Clone, yeah, Clone Wars. Um, I think if I knew the character a bit more, I would be like able to get on board with it. But it just, it, it kind of took me out a little bit when I was watching it. He's a great actor, don't get me wrong, but yeah, um, I, we get obviously the, the message from Galen explaining that he's the one who's left the um the fault in the Death Star and the plans are the ones that will have it on there. Um, at that point, the Death Star does arrive as well and it starts blowing up the city and obviously that that scene where the city blows up. But just before we get to that, there's one bit where the pilot Bodhi's introduced to the rest of the the captives, uh, so like Chirrut and Cassian in the cell and they see him and, he, and he's nursing a sore bottom and he's a bit confused, bless him. But they find out he's a, he's the pilot, and they're the, that's who they're there to obviously get because they don't know about Galen's actual message that he's brought along at that point. Yeah. But the whole scene where, like the plant, like the planet or the city—it's not the planet that's destroyed, but the city is destroyed by the Death Star. Like the visuals of like the Earth rising, like like in Inception, is just like it's yeah, absolutely Gorgeous stunning. Again, yeah. I was going to ask what you guys think about the Death Star plans. This this whole thing that he um. He kind of put the fault in the day because I know a lot of like uh, hardcore Star Wars fans have that issue with the first film or uh, episode four, I guess. Um, having this this little like fail safe, this weak spot. So, like, this movie introducing the element that it was actually, um, I mean, I think is this the movie that introduces that element that it was actually like kind of built in to fail? Yes, I think, Ben. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think I think it does it perfectly. Like, I, yeah. I, I can't really fault the. The reasoning that they've that they've given for it having that fault that is exploited in a new hope, I think it's done perfectly. And I don't think you can be. Yeah, you could if you sat down and you really wanted to, you could probably pick something out mm. within or pick, pick it apart. But I really don't think you can. I think it's a really good explanation and it makes a lot of sense. It, it doesn't seem ham fisted or forced. It doesn't uh, seem forced. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, fisted. I, I uh, fisted, yes, Paul Collard. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> <get fisted. laughs> oh, this reminds me, I saw a really funny TikTok. Um, and it was, it was like all the names of the Jedis in, um, in like Star Wars. And it's like, you've got like, um, 
all the different characters with the different colored names, and I've completely forgot what it was now, so I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes along with what we were saying before, Ben, about Star Wars being racist. I'll have to find it and I'll upload it to our Twitter and Facebook or whatnot I, okay. because it, it, it makes me belly laugh every time. And it, it's something to do with uh, around... Uh, oh, no, it's where they say, oh, Master Windu, Master Yoda, Master... And then they get to Plo Koon, and it's just like Master Plo. <laughs> I think the fact that they uh, they do kind of address that like almost 40 year old plot hole with with the original film like why did they build this in I think it's really neat that they came back to that and kind of satisfied fans in that way and, and, and kind of gave them a really really good response to why there is that fault in the death so yeah I mean it's it's one thing that I think distinguishes this anthology film is what it is away from solo because mm. the bits that it introduced to make kind of like give us answers for things that happen in the original series and the later films they fit so well and it's really well done whereas in solo it's where that's where for me it falls apart is the connecting mm-hmm. tissue for the rest of the series yeah that's the that's the distinguishing factor for me between the two films I've then put um so I don't. I mean, I understand partly why Saul ends up doing a suicide, but there's a lot of people doing a suicide in this film, where they're just <laughs> like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fucking go and let myself die." Like he could have easily gone with them. It's almost as if they know they're in a prequel. <laughs> like, guys, we're not contracted for any more movies. We've got to die. <laughs> <laughs> I am not afforded plot armor. <laughs> um. Let's have a look now. So, yeah, we've got then the scene where Krennic's on the Death Star with Tarkin, and he's so buzzed because he's like, yes, my weapon's finally operational. I'm finally going to get some credit for all the work I've done. And Tarkin's like, naughty, naughty, I'm taking over. (laughs) He's having having none of it. And I think that's really good because I think Tarkin as a character is like one of the most evil people of the Empire. Um, Yeah. And I I love him. I do like his parts in this film. Because I think it really gives us a bit more like to flesh out the character, even though he has no real flesh on him himself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't need CG. Right, I thought you were talking... I thought you were saying because he was dead. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> just a skeleton. It's just like a weekend of Bernie's with the actor of Tarkin. <laughs> just use him as a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they then uh, head out to... I think the planet's called Edu or Edi or something. Yeah. Um, and it's there where they're going to try and help, in quotation marks, kill Galen Erso. What I what I don't understand with this as well, right, is if the X-Wings could have flown in this entire time and just blown up the deck, why didn't they just do that? Why didn't they need to send a covert team to kill them? They could have just been really obvious with it. Yeah. yeah. They could have just went on and bomb, bombed it, and then I suppose you'd need them on the platform, really, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, I guess so. Well, if, he was, if he was deep in the base and they went and bombed it, they could just be like, well, shit. <laughs> Didn't do anything. Yeah, so, I mean, we've got to that point where, so basically, the reason they're on the platform is that Krennic's going back and he's saying, you know, who who is the one who's leaked out this message? Galen comes forward. Um, the X-Wings turn up and basically blow up the deck. And I think Jin gets her last moment with her dad. Um which is which is quite nice, I think. Yeah, it's an emotional scene. It works really well. I think again, it, I don't know if we have enough character development between these two to really get invested in this. I kind of felt it was a little bit hollow, but I don't. I don't think so. I I think especially is I think it's more more so for me because where to have that message in the Saw Gerrera scene previously, mm. like yeah. it was a relatively short amount of time. But I think because of the acting between the two of them, I think it actually works really well. No, I totally agree. I'm just yeah. bit there wasn't enough uh, Mads Mikkelsen in it. I'm just I'm just upset about that. No, I do you know what the thing when when me and I think I, I don't know if I told this story in a previous podcast or if I've told you this before, but when me and Steph our first date was to go and see Rogue One. Oh, cute! And we um we went and we we got incredibly drunk beforehand. <laughs> um, I think Ben's been with us before to see, me and Steph before to see a film when we was. Before. Um, incredible secret screening, yeah, yeah. I don't the Incredibles two secret screening. I don't remember a thing that happened during that film. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, when we got really drunk and we were being loud, and 
obnoxious. And I, I, well, I thought we were anyway. And I said, listen, Steph, like if I was someone like myself going to see this film on an opening night, I'd want to watch it properly. And I think we're detracting, so we're going to leave. So I pulled her out. Now, Steph, to this day, is still adamant that we were only there for five minutes. But I know for a fact it was at the point where where uh, Galen dies that we got to. So when we rewatched it together, she was like, I don't remember seeing any of us. I said, no, I'm telling you now, we 100% got this far into the film. And we were terrible audience members that entire time. <laughs> so if anyone is actually managed to listen and they, their experience is ruined because they're two drunk idiots, I'm sorry. Send an email to the Pick and Mix podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <Yeah>, Sending <laughs> your formal, formal complaints now. Yeah. Um, one way you can also complain is leaving a five star review on iTunes. That also is <laughs> yeah. a, a massive complaint. <laughs> <laughs> so then we've got the Rebels head to, is it, is it Yavin 4, which is like the Rebel yeah. HQ? Um, we then get a scene on Mustafar, which I love with Vader. Well, I say I love. There's one bit that I don't like, but I think one thing that's really to note, especially Liam, I don't know if you'll notice. Um, do you remember that Mustafar's a planet where Anakin was obviously turned into Vader, essentially? If I'm being honest, all these planets blend into one. There's a lot of planets in this movie. So when when Krennic goes to see Vader, it's a yeah. palace on Mustafar, and it's where Vader resides when he's not off doing Vadery stuff. Right. Um, and I think part of the reason he stays there is because it's where he, he essentially he thinks he's killed Padme there. That's where he forced choked her. And it's the pain and the suffering that obviously the dark side feed off. Have you got anything to right. add on that, Ben? Other than Vera's castle looks pretty dope. Yeah. Not, not really. Also, another Snoke theory was, you know, the guy who goes into Vader's room when he's in the Baptist tank and he says, <laughs> Lord Vader, Krennic has arrived. There was a theory at one point as well that that was Snoke. <laughs> you know, from... Um, how many Snoke theories are actually are at this point? Like Quite a like, lot. I think at one point no, someone thought he was Jar Jar as well. Uh, <laughs> that, that is the film I wanted to see. That that would have been the best ending to the uh, the, new, <laughs> the new trilogy. One one thing I put as well. I think the scenes with Vader in this film are impeccable, apart from where he makes a pun. Mm, yeah, it's really out of character, right? Yeah, I love I love a good pun, but I didn't think yeah. Vader's. It's not Invader's character type. He was like, oh, careful, you will choke on your aspirations. I then thought, he just carries on then, and he's like, oh, why doesn't Vader like Wookiee meat? It's a bit chewy. <laughs> it's almost like, the, uh, you know, like the CSI guy, the uh, where he takes off his sunglasses, like, don't know, yeah. choke on your aspirations. He takes his sunglasses off, and it's like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really, really embarrassing. It's uh, way out of place, but do you know um, what, uh, what Vader's favourite dessert is? I don't want to ask. Only, only... <laughs> <laughs> only, only one cannoli. <laughs> yep, that's that's uh, yeah, that's it. That's that. How does Vader eat? He force feeds wow. himself. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I thought they were they they, they were other jokes that got cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then uh, kind of transition to the Alliance meeting where they're discussing what they're going to do regarding the plans and whether they're going to go after them or whatnot. And it's kind of generally agreed that they're not going to, um, which again, I thought it's just pointless posturing. Like they could have just said, yeah, we're going to go. It doesn't seem, I, I know obviously they're scared, but it just doesn't seem very in character of a rebel alliance to be like, no, we're not going to do go and rebel. Yeah. Um, we also get a shout out to, uh, I think at this point or a little bit later, we get a shout out to Harris and Dulla. Who is a character from Rebels? Uh, it's if you don't know what Rebels is, Liam, it's like a, another animation series that follows on right, um, cool. the events. I think it's around about this time, or it's just before, it's just after the Empire becomes a thing, but it follows on from Clone Wars, and you get a lot of links over with that. But it's another nice little nod to the canon of the Star Wars universe that you know is kind of lacking from other films. Yeah, Liam. I think I, know, I think I noticed that kind of straight away. You're right. Like even as a as a as a layman, as someone who not who isn't massive into this this franchise, I remember hearing a lot of people say that it does kind of expand the canon really nicely. And, I, and even as someone who's not a massive fan and doesn't doesn't know much about the extended universe, you can kind of see that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So then we got the scene where this uh, rebels who are like, listen, we we want to go and fight, so we're going to go and fight. Um, Jin Erso says may the force be with you and Chirrut's got a force boner because of it um and he's like yes that's good I was like 
I don't know if that's in her character to say the may the force be with you. Do you think it is or? Yeah, I think it, I think it it is. Mm. She's got a kyber crystal around her neck. So. Oh yeah, I guess so. I think that was just me being picky. Then um, we've also got like the Peter Griffin moment where they're saying the name of the film within the film because um, <laughs> the rebel when they're about to leave on the ship, like the the people in the control center are like, "Who are you, you know? What, where are you going?" And he's like, "We're Rogue One." Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just. Um, it's like, aren't call signs meant to be quite, like, kind of secretive and you're not really meant to be obvious what you're doing? <laughs> if you're, like, if someone's listening to that radio, like, oh, we're Rogue One, it's like, well, it's obvious that you guys are trying to fuck shit up or you're being mischievous. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we then get Jimmy Smith's um, mentions, his character obviously mentions Obi-Wan. And I'm just like, don't go back to older one, Jimmy. <laughs> it's not going to end well for you. I think I got that reference. Yeah, because he gets blown up, Liam. That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, he, he he went looking in all, all the wrong places. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. You're looking at me. You're looking at me like you want me to react. I'm not reacting. I'm just going to let you sit in silence. If you don't react, it's not fun. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh. um, one, so then the rebels arrived to Scarif, like in the, the hijacked like, Imperial ship. One thing I put, you know, the shield that's around the planet. Mm. Why don't all planets have this? Yeah, right. That would be so useful. Like, I mean, maybe planets that the Empire want control of. Like, surely they would just put a shield around all of them. You'd think so, right? Mm. But nah, plot convenience. Why not? Maybe they yeah. only have one. Yeah, they lost, they lost the manual after that. Make them. <laughs> it was lost. It was lost when they blew up the planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spoilers. Um, so land on Scar- Scarif. Scarif looks like a really nice planet to be on. Really, like it looks like a paradise. I this like is it. um, it's gorgeous. Like, what a place to set your finale for the film, though. I think as well. Like it's such a such a beautiful. Again, this, this, the settings in this film are gorgeous, and I think this is just kind of the, the Piastres resistance the best one. It's yeah, it's stunning. And you know what? It's quite nice to see something different as well. Like in Star Wars, like obviously not. I tell me if I'm wrong, guys, but um. Is this kind of like the one of the first tropical settings they've used for one of these things? Well, in terms of a beach scene, yeah, maybe. But I mean, there's blends of like it's like a blend of kind of um, end or mixed with yeah. with uh, Tatooine, isn't it? I guess yeah. The beach is probably the newest element. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say, Ben? Exactly what you've just said. So. Oh. <laughs> 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 there we go. Um, one thing I put as well, you know, when like the rebels arrive on the base and they start sneaking around, mm-hmm. do blasters come with a silent mode? You'd hope so. Because right? whenever they're doing sneaky, sneaky, stealthy, stealthy, the, as soon as they shoot someone, it alerts everyone like the shit going on. And it's just like, surely with that technology, there'd be a silent mode where they could be like, yeah, we just don't want that noise on. <laughs> you'd, you'd think so, right? You'd think there'd be enough COVID missions to be able to like whack on a silencer. If we can figure it out in this day and age, you'd hope. Yeah. I'd... But yeah. yeah, you're right. They don't ever do it, do they? They, they never they never really commit to stealth fully, 100%. Yeah. I suppose it, 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 they don't really need the silent mode on the blasters, though, when you consider that the stormtroopers are made out of jelly. They're knocked out so easily. Yeah. Like, are they knocked out or they killed? Because, like, literally, they like, I think at one point, Jin literally just pulls one leg and it, like, and it, 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 it like, dies or something. It's you're, like, you're like, Fairly blows a guy and he falls over and he's just like, "Don't hurt me!" No, this, like, all the stormtroopers like, "I've got osteoporosis." <laughs> I want to know what the training process to become a stormtrooper is because I want to know like what budgetary cuts are they doing though they don't actually train these fuckers properly. Like, come on! Well, like I mean, the, uh, in, I think the American in, police system would just completely <laughs> There is actually a, a an explanation for that because the Empire just w- w- didn't care about quality; they were all about quantity. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Even they didn't stormtroopers, that's what I'm saying. As many as possible, they didn't really give them lots of training. The armor apparently is specifically developed to either bounce the, the lasers off or just yeah. kill the stormtroopers. Mm. Fair enough, uh, because they don't care about them essentially. Yeah, really cool. It's which cool which begs the question why don't they just use clones? Mm. Um, if, if you're going to be that expense, like have that many people are just expendable. Surely it's easier just to do clones and like churn out loads and loads and loads. Um, So then we've got sneaky, sneaky base intrusion. Um, We've got the Rizzle Kicks uh, cameo. (laughs) For anyone who knows 
the Rizzle Kicks, one of the guys on the ship with Bodhi is is one of the like the lead singers. We've also got Yorin from Game of Thrones in there as well. Wait, is that, that Rizzle Kicks thing real? I did not know that. Wait, what? Yeah, you know the guy. Go, go back to that. Rewind. What? what? <laughs> the guy who's on the ship with Bodhi is one of the guys from Rizzle Kicks. No. Yeah. Well. And then also is... another guy there is Yorin from Game of Thrones. We've got Barristan right. Selmy, who's one of the Rebel Alliance leaders. Um, I'm pretty sure the woman who plays Mon Montfort appears in Game of Thrones at one point. I may be wrong with that, though. But there's a lot of Game of Thrones people in this. Um, there's a lot of actors in this. There's a lot of different... Like You're right, this is like a packed cast. This is a brilliant cast. Mm-hmm. So at the point when a distraction's gone on outside, Jin and uh, Cassian and K2 were trying to get to the Death Star plans. Um, the Death Star kind of is alerted to the fact that there's a, you know an uprising on Scarif, so that's starting to get there, and we get told that Vader is informed uh, that there's a, a rising sea. Like at that point during the film, I remember when I saw it properly for the first time, like the day after I got really drunk and tried to watch it. Um, <laughs> when I heard that line, I was like, I was like, oh my god, yes! I was like, we're gonna get something awesome because. You know, there's not much long left of the film. Yeah. And yeah. you hear that Vader's been informed. You're like, we're going to see him fuck some shit up in a bit. Yeah, Liam? I've got another question as fans. Obviously, like, Vader could have probably, they, they kept him quite uh, quite limited his screen time in this film. Do you think that was like a good idea? Or do you think it was probably, do you, yeah. would, have, would you prefer that he was in more of the film? Um, I'd prefer him to have his own film. Yeah. If, if we're going to have a film that centers on Vader, I want it to be either. Where Vader's the main bad guy, or Vader, it's a story of of Vader. Like, there's a lot of really good kind of extended books, um, like Lords of the Sith, where Palpatine and Vader get stranded on this like planet. Um, there's loads of stuff like that that they could do. I like that he is a small part in this because when he comes in, we'll we'll talk about it in a bit, but we really yeah. see why people fear him. Ben? Yeah, yeah, I think he was used a perfect amount. I don't think. Would have been nice to have seen to have seen more, but I don't think it was necessary. I mm. think he used the perfect amount. Yeah, I mean, one one thing I'd say as well is like we already picked up on the fact that Vader making puns seems so out of character. And I think the more that you use Vader as a character in, in the new Star Wars stuff, the, the 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 risk becomes higher of you making a bit of a mockery of his character. And writing stuff that can be picked apart like that for that for him doesn't seem like him. Now, agreed, we don't actually see that side of Vader much anyway. And Anakin was a bit of a joker, so that it you could argue that it does fit with him. But realistically, I think the more you use him, the more you run the risk of actually ruining the character a bit for people. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. it's a perfect amount of amount of like you know time that he's in, and especially that final scene with him. Like that's probably the best Vader scene out there um probably the best scene in star wars to be honest yeah i'd i'd agree um yeah i mean kind of before we do get to that though we then get the rest of the rebels on yavin 4 find out about the rebels that are on scarif so they send help we get a quick scene with a r2 and c3po which is which is quite nice um then the battle scene in general like the both the space battle and the ground battle on Scarif and above Scarif, it's just immense. Like the way it's filmed is so, so, so pretty. And like the whole like scene with the AT and a, uh, AT, is it Atats, isn't it? Yeah. 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 With the Atats like chasing them. It's like, it's, it reminded me a bit of like, you know, the Lost World, like Jurassic Park, especially mm. where like Bodhi's trying to pull that wire. I was like, it's like the guy who gets ripped in two by the two Tyrannosaurs and the Lost World. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, it, like the, it, it's, it gives you that good film anxiety and it, it's, it, it makes you feel on edge for characters that you don't really know what's going to happen to, even though you have a good feeling that they are. Yeah. There. I think especially where Gareth Edwards' last film, I think before this was Godzilla as well. I think that a lot of like, there's a, a little bit of bleed over there as well, well, well with like the way he uses the AT-ATs. Um, similarly, how he does Godzilla, there's a lot of like scope. I feel like they're very imposing. They're very, these massive creatures and you, you kind of, you do feel quite tense and, and and a lot of tension there. I think I think the battle scenes were, were directed so well. Um, I think as a director, he's he's got a really really keen sense of, of how things are meant to go and how things how, how to direct battle scenes. And and again, what, what you were saying earlier about this like the, the the kind of 
how it feels like it's almost like Vietnam or all the beaches of Normandy. You get that again, where everything's very gritty, everything's very down to earth, everything's very kind of dirty. And I think straight away, you, this this is a, one of my favorite battle scenes in any Star Wars film. Hundred percent agree. Um, we then kind of get a few blended scenes in in, in between. We see K two S O get get killed after Jin gives her a blaster. Um, the whole premise of this bit is where. Basically, they've got to get the shield open away from the planet so they can send a message up to then get the plans beamed up to the ship. Um, when they're trying to get the actual plans, there's a really nice moment where, again, they're ex- expanding the cannon and they mention the black saber. Mm. Or the dark saber, sorry. Which is no, obviously... No, it is black saber. The black saber. But obviously, that's a massive nod to them, something that we get in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Which, which you know, for people who've watched Clone Wars, Liam, like... The, the black saber dark saber is like a massive massive thing so yeah, this, yeah, this went right over my head yeah i mean bearing in mind this came out obviously before the mandalorian this sowed the seeds for them us getting it later on which we have and obviously when the new series of mandalorian comes out at the end of this month we'll get that so that that's really nice um one thing i've got we've got a lot of deaths that happen like chirrut in ways death is like fantastic yeah. um We've got Blaze's death, or all, all all of the deaths are, yeah, they're, they're brutal and they're quick. They're not really that drawn out, which I like. Um, the only thing I don't like about this next bit scene is when they've got basically they've got to climb mm. to get to the top of the tower to send the transmission off, and they do a Cassian fake out death, which mm. is one thing I really don't like. They do it in Walking Dead like all the time to the point where it's made me want to stop watching, which I did. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a massive fan of death fake outs especially when they're pointless they feel unnecessary really don't they like mm-hmm. no one's actually on edge watching this so we're all we all kind of know how this is going to end as well so yeah it's it seems like it's it's mostly used for cheap kind of cheap effect but there's, there's, you're right it doesn't really affect me it, you're right it, it does feel kind of out of place again mm-hmm. yeah um one bit is funny as well where basically the star destroyer in the sky gets its shields like put down and it's out of action we then get the hammerhead ship that pushes mm. the one to start to destroy into another. But it's, it made me laugh where um, I think it's, it's, it's General Radis, the, Calam- the, the Mon Calamari, and he just shouts, that Star Destroyer is disabled. And, it, and that got a kick out of me. <laughs> I was like, "How you can't just say that. Um, <laughs> so then we've got the team at the top of the tower Um there's a trait. There's a scene in the trailer where Jin's on top of the tower and a Tie fighter mm. comes up yeah. and it looks like yeah. it's a power shooter. Now that was in the trailer, and it's one pet hate I have where they put stuff in trailers that then that they then don't put in the film. Yeah, it was almost like false yeah. advertising, wasn't it? It's like it's, it's definitely a tease. It was definitely a, a, a ploy to get butts in seats, I guess, in the cinema because you do see that and you think that that looks intense and yeah it's not as intense in the actual film but yeah no it is it is kind of a cheap cheap little, little thing to do there yeah um we got then chronic arrives at the top of the tower to meet uh Jin, and he goes who are you and i just got a bit of a flash of image of uh i think is it is it rob is it rob mcelaney or glenn howerton in in this always sunny was like you know who i am bitch <laughs> <laughs> he's like day man <laughs> oh that's I just got when he said who are you? I was like, you know I am, bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we find out then that Cassian hasn't died. He shoots Krennic. They then escape to the beach, have a little cuddle on on the, on the sand before uh, Death Star arrives and, and blows the planet up. Yeah, Ben. I am so glad they didn't kiss in this film. Mm. I thought they were going to. I really yeah, would have, it would have been cheap again. Like it would have been really cheap if they did. I'm, I'm, I'm fully with you there, Ben. I'm glad they didn't. Mm. It's uh, a gorgeous. It's, a, it's such a beautiful, beautiful shot of them on the beach. Like yeah. it's emotional without being cheap. It's, a, it's emotional without being tacky. And I think they would have made it tacky if they had had that kiss scene in there. Yeah, I mean, just kind of wrapping up um, the end of the film. I think the main bit, which is like the highlight, I think, for anyone who, who's a Star Wars fan watching this film is the scene where Vader arrives and, and gets on the ship where the plans are. And it's like it's almost like a chase scene, but it's just him being utterly destructive. And it's it's absolutely... absolutely I remember being in the, the cinema and the first time I, I watched this and my mouth just, just dropped open. 
uh-huh. and it was I was just in 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 awe at the at, at the scene where he's he's just marching through them. Just... This is why he's feared. Like yeah. it's one thing you don't. I don't think apart from his his imposing character, you don't. I think in other films, you don't see why he's feared like widely. But but then you mm. see him just fucking everyone up, and you're like, this is why everyone he has the reputation as who of who he is. You know, going back to when he killed the younglings, um, <laughs> he just he showed no mercy. You know, I think it does a lot to rescue his reputation as well because I think I mean I'm not. I've seen the prequels once, but I know a lot of people have issues with the prequels and the way they portray Anakin, and they kind of they take a lot of the, the <laughs> they take a lot of like the sinister elements out of them, and he's just this annoying ass brat. Um, I think because is this the first film we see, like not chronologically, but for, since the prequels, we've seen Vader. Is this? I think it might be. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it does a lot to rescue his reputation because I think it was kind of almost tainted a little bit by the prequels, and then. You're right, he's terrifying. That's that's what you want. I mean, you take a vote on who the greatest movie villain of all time is, and Vader's Vader's gonna be at least at least number two, if not number one. And this is kind of exactly why he's one of the most iconic villains of all time. It's just terrifying. It almost turned into a horror film for me in a minute. Like especially the red corridor. It's like that's it was genuinely frightening to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Then we then get the direct transition into a new hope, uh, which me and Ben will be yeah. doing next week. Um, and we get CGI Leah, and it, it, it <laughs> the contrast between her and Tarkin. I was like, how can it go so wrong? Because it looks relatively good for Tarkin, and then for her, yeah. it's just like it takes me out of it. And I just wish we we just saw the back of her, like for no yeah. other reason than you know, no sordid reasons or anything. But I just, <laughs> you just want to see the back of her head. Yeah, you just you don't need to see her face. You could just have her like there or bending over to. Well, no, not bending <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, speaking to R2 and, and doing the message to Obi-Wan. You know, you don't you don't need that extra bit, but... So yeah, what you're I mean, saying is you want to see Leah's back of her head while she's bending over, yeah? Is that, is that what the whole the whole comment there was, yeah? Yeah, you know who I am, bitch. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so I mean, that, that wraps up the film. Uh, we, we are like kind of running on two minutes left of the meeting, so we will wrap up there. Do you guys have any other thoughts you want to give before we do? Shut this thing down. Uh, apparently, that Vader scene was done very last minute. Really? Yeah. Apparently, it was. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was in like like very very last minute, like one of the last scenes they ever filmed for the thing. But they're so glad they put it in. Like, imagine if it wasn't. You such a wasted opportunity if they didn't. It's great. If that wasn't in it, I reckon my overall feeling about the film would be a lot yeah. worse than what. Oh, it absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. I, I love this film. It's probably up there with like the top four films of Star Wars for me. Um, it's my favorite. Yeah, this is the one I've watched more than once, and I think it's, it has that rewatchability because it's not as entrenched in the lore, and you don't have to like. It, it's like a standalone adventure, and I think for me, I would probably give it like a high, a high like eight out of ten, nine out of ten. It's just great. It's just so easily rewatchable. I'd go. I'd go seven and a half out of ten. Mm. Same as the Adams family. <laughs> <laughs> no actually i probably would stretch to an eight but um yeah so that's that's our rogue one episode guys and um, thank you very much for listening um i think we're going to try skype next and see yeah, so we don't yeah. have to have any options and stuff and hopefully records work a lot better that way but again as always if you want to find us we're pick a mix pod um on twitter and instagram and pick please like share and review us and as always I've been Harry. I'm Ben. Liam's I'm been Liam. Liam. <laughs> <laughs> Liam's been Liam. <laughs> Stay horny. <laughs> Bye.